with Oxalm Mind is to lay down the particulars of the events of the Ashmerton Fair disaster on the 9th of July 1937. I was at the time one of a number of volunteer naval cadets invited on the day to take part in a demonstration by the Ashmerton Fire Brigade. A three-floor structure was erected in the centre of the fairground from canvas and wooden struts decorated to resemble a large townhouse. Towards the end of the fair, a bride and groom would emerge from St Matthew's Church and proceed through the crowd into the structure, where with a number of cadets and firefighters they would enact a wedding party for the amusement of the crowd. During the party, a controlled fire would break out. The fire brigade would then demonstrate rescue and firefighting techniques progressively rescuing participants in a manner that was safe yet dramatic for the onlookers until the blaze was finally put out. This was known as a fireman's wedding and would often involve prominent local figures. On this occasion, Fire Chief Arthur May and Mr E.B. Subborn in commemoration of his 10 years as head of Ashmerton Civic Council. Despite my youth, I was nevertheless aware of local rumours circulating regarding Mr Subborn and the child he was alleged to have fathered with a young woman within the Civic Council staff. In the intervening years, I have by numerous sources been made aware of the following which I wish to place on the public record. Councillor Subborn did indeed force himself upon his subordinate Ashmerton Council clerk Shireen Marston on several occasions over a period of months in early 1930, and it was one of these occasions that resulted in the conception of her son Howard. Councillor Subborn arranged a number of secret annual payments by the council budget to Ms Marston following her dismissal from her council employment in June 1930. These payments abruptly ceased in February 1937. Numerous letters were written to Councillor Subborn between February and July 1937, which were believed to be from Ms Marston. There is no record of any response. At the time, however, Councillor Subborn had a reputation as a good sport and agreed to dress on the, as the bride on the day. Fire Chief May would be the groom and oversee the event. Other firemen were wedding guests, and I was one of five naval cadets playing page boys. It was hot and sunny on the day of the fair, and my waistcoat and shirt were becoming uncomfortable. When the opportunity arose, I carried my cadet's beret in my pocket. The other page boys were somewhat older and rarely spoke to me. They were more occupied with stealing drink from the cider tent and looking at a pornographic postcard one of them had appropriated from his father. We gathered at the niche gate of St Matthew's at approximately 4pm, and shortly afterwards we followed Councillor Subborn through the crowd and into the ground floor room of the house. It had two large trestle tables pushed together, and a number of chairs arranged around it. The house had large windows to allow the crowd to see inside, and a couple of the cadets immediately climbed the ladder leading to the upper floors, 
so they could wave to their families. I found myself pushed into a corner where the canvas was lashed to the struts. It was probably this that saved my life. It had seemed to me, upon the door being opened, that somebody was already present and sitting at the head of the table. It appeared to me a tattered, life-size straw dummy of a woman, perhaps to be flung ablaze from the house to heighten the drama. When I was next able to see the head of the table, however, it had disappeared. Chief May made a brief speech to the firemen present, reminding of them of their responsibilities. I glanced under the trestle table and was surprised to see the face of a boy around my age peeking out from behind one of the legs. He was very pale, with hollow eyes and long dark hair. He held my gaze for a long time. I was about to draw someone's attention to him when he smiled at me. His smile suggested a secret that he knew I would want to find out, but couldn't. It displayed a gaping hole where his front teeth should be, and a patch of blood which ran down his upper lip. Then a dark string extended from the corner of his mouth, followed by another, and then a house spider pulled itself out and scuffled up the boy's face and under his hair. His expression did not change, and I fell back against the corner. One of the firemen across the room shouted at me for messing about and I took my eyes off the boy for a brief moment. When I looked back, he had also gone. Chief May had a sealed container in his hand of paraffin or similar, and asked Councillor Subball whether he would prefer to start the fire himself. Subball made a joke about why it was being useless in the kitchen, and we laughed. Then the spider from the boy's mouth seemed to suddenly appear upon his hand, and he yelped in fright and dropped the container which fell under the table. I now saw that the spider was in fact another hand, with dusty grey skin splitting as it clutched to the councillor's fist. The hand belonged to the straw dummy I thought I had seen earlier, but it was now standing up, unsupported, grinning at councillor Subborn like a waxwork. Underneath his bridal veil, councillor Subborn's face was contorted in horror. From under the table I heard someone shout, give it here boy, and then there was a bloom of flame consuming the men underneath and instantly igniting most of the ground floor of the structure. I dug at the lucid dot and fell out through the canvas. I scrambled on my hands and knees towards the crowd who were now screaming in panic. Around me fell cinders, strips of burning canvas, and at one point a body in a page boy's waistcoat and beret the bones giving way inside as it landed. Two men grabbed me under my arms and lifted me away, accidentally dislocating my shoulder, the only injury I was to suffer. I looked backwards at the fire and saw the silhouettes of a young woman and a young boy standing together at the window. As will already be known, 11 people died that day, including Councillor Subborn and a number of the firemen and page boys. No other woman or young child were among them. It passed with little comment that on the same day, in a semi-derelict house on the outskirts of Ashmerton, the emaciated bodies of Shireen and Howard Marston were found by a relative, 
Shireen having killed the child and then herself. I'm sure I'd see them again if I looked up at the window watching me record all this. It wouldn't be the first time. Either they have pursued me all these years for daring to escape or they are indeed resting in peace knowing that justice has been served and I am haunted only by my own cowardice and complicity that taking so long to finally make the truth known. Mm -hmm.